0: it's time for tales of terror only on the mutual audio network
1: the following audio drama is rated r and is recommended restricted for anyone listening under the age of 17
2: now available from the radio theater workshop chaos reborn the audio adventures
1: lady
3: petronella has been
4: You knew Lady Petronella had money for you. You killed her to take it. Yeah, money is it. I can pay you. My
2: last battle cost me my magical weapon. The
4: last of my defenses. He is a wizard, my lord. And he has committed murder. Oh, so you do know who I am.
2: Once there was the moon, the sun, the stars,
4: Magic caused this. Our world cracked and awoke monsters.
2: A world of magic and battles.
4: What the hell is that?
2: A new full cast fantasy audio drama based on Chaos Reborn. The cult game by legendary game designer Julian Gollum. This
4: guy is turning blood red! The thing is tearing the town apart! Can you hold this line? You don't understand! You're a wizard! You can defend yourself against magic, against rulers who draw on the power of the sky itself.
1: Again you come to challenge me, wizard.
4: You are nothing more than an assassin. How I feel, boy, Wizard. If he didn't, it's for the money. Step back.
5: The wizard who killed Lady P is coming for you.
4: Absolutely guaranteed to win.
5: Edwin.
2: Well, I did say I was a wizard. Physical versions available at www.radiotheatreworkshop.com. Also available through Audible. <laughs> To the Agonal Dreams Podcast, Season 1, Episode 4 of Post-Apocalyptic Nightmare. This audio theater features some situations that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 4, The Carnality Sect, Part 1.
3: The group sat in a semicircle in the back of the moving truck. Each of them had their wrists bound, and they stared at each other in the darkness.
0: (sighs) Will somebody just say it already?
5: First of all, how dare you?
0: I'm not the enemy here, people. I'm not the one who tied you up. If you want to be angry at someone, be angry with these lunatics driving the truck. Everything I do, I do it to keep us all safe.
6: You keep saying that, but what does it actually mean coming from you, Adrian?
0: Not really the time or the place, Cat.
6: Oh come
4: Moffat! You wanted to say it. And you wanted us to lie about Heather's baby. Whether he's with us, he was born and he matters.
5: Even in this new world.
6: Well, he did save her life, guys. All of
5: ours. Oh my god, Cat. You, of all people, should be standing up for Heather! We can't lose our humanity. We've already lost everything else.
6: What greater punishment is there in life than when you've lost everything that makes it worth living?
4: (sighs) Yes! Yes! Exactly! Did you write that?
5: Not unless her surname is Shakespeare.
0: I promise I didn't mean any of those things. I had to try to make them believe me that Heather isn't a threat to them.
5: Well, you
4: failed. Don't try to talk your way out of this, Adrian. We haven't forgotten that you pulled a gun on her right before these people showed up. Who knows what you would have done if they didn't come in.
3: Ravi's words felt heavy as the rest of the group acknowledged he was right. Adrian lowered his gaze to the floor, unwilling to look at anyone squarely in the face.
6: When we can get away from these people, we'll have a memorial for Christian. It's the least we can do. He didn't serve me for a mother anyway.
4: Don't say that.
5: You're going to get better. We'll help you. You shouldn't make promises that you can't, Kate.
6: You didn't really kill anybody, did you? No, of course not. I mean... I don't remember killing anyone.
0: She didn't do it. I was telling the truth about the foot.
5: Oh, so you do know the difference between the truth and a lie.
0: Whoever did it knew what they were doing. And either the Bashers are retaining some of their pre-infection intelligence, or a psychopath is running around chopping people's appendages off and keeping them. And who knows what else. My god.
6: How do you know it wasn't removed for a medical reason? Maybe there's a surgeon or something that removed it and left it lying around in the casino?
4: Yeah, That's
6: possible. Oh, that would be
5: terrific if there was a real doctor around.
0: There was nothing wrong with the foot.
5: What do you mean?
0: Healthy body parts aren't removed without reason. From what I could tell, there was no external signs of trauma or infection. It was starting to decompose, but that's in no way indicative of its previously attached state. Besides, if that was the case, why would they take the time to sew the ankle shut? Just throw it away.
4: Maybe the infection was on the inside?
0: That girl was a part of the group. I'm sure they would have known if she was sick or or had an infected foot.
5: Yeah, but they never said how long she was missing for. Maybe she got lost or got hurt and someone helped her. Doubtful. Maybe
6: she had a tumor or something that started growing?
0: With no electricity and running water, the risk of attempting an unnecessary surgery far outweighs living with
5: You were all overthinking things, like usual. Obviously, a basher did it.
0: If a basher did it, where was the rest of her? They kill entirely. They don't just cut off limbs. They're messy, loud, and stupid. Cutting off one foot is bizarre and doesn't fit their typical M.O. It was a trophy.
6: Hello? She ran away, duh. Oh, how I wish you were right, Jenny. But we gotta face facts. I think Adrian's right about this. I mean, there was no blood trail. And the amputated ankle was sewn shut. Yeah, of course.
5: You would take his side, like usual. What's that supposed to mean? You know exactly what I mean.
4: Like a trophy.
6: The brothers. Who are they? Oh, God. Imagine a group of people worse than these two. Killing people for sport?
0: Don't be so dramatic. It's probably just some turf war between the two settlements. Bound to happen during times like this.
5: I can't imagine what they're going to do to us. Adrian, why didn't you just shoot them both when you had the chance?
0: I had a revolver kissing the back of my head. I don't have superpowers. It was five against two. One of you could have pulled a weapon out and took care of them. But no. Like usual, it's my ass on the line for all you people. I should have just come alone.
6: We do appreciate you. We were just scared. We aren't blaming you. Right, guys?
4: This has just been... so hard. I... never imagined.
6: I know, but we have to try to get along. We have a common enemy now.
4: Who? Those guys driving the truck? Or you mean the bashers? Everyone.
5: Home sweet home,
3: assholes. What the captors had called their community was actually just a reinforced gated business park. The words absolute serenity were painted across one of the buildings in a wispy, teasing font. All the windows were boarded up with weathered plywood and spray painted with hieroglyphic type half moon symbols and non-English words in a chaotic display. Kat tried to recall seeing any of the words or symbols in the past but her mind drew a blank. A long metal-hinged gate swung open to allow the truck to pass through. It was covered in barbed wire that clung to pieces of tattered clothing. Kat visibly shuddered when she saw that the shreds were on the inside of the gate. Someone, or something, was meant to be kept in. Raylan, take
2: them to get cleaned up. food. Water, whatever they need you uh doctor,
0: let me show you where the sick bay is. This is a medical business park. isn't the whole place technically a sick bay?
3: Shut the hell up. The female cap to gravel at Adrian, who didn't acknowledge her childish antics.
2: Please, sister, show some degree of humility. I'll come with you. I want to help. If you wish, this way, please.
3: Jenny, Ravi, and Heather. Were led through a door that had initially read, Medical Weight Loss Clinic, but now, Chow Hall, was scribbled over it in black marking. Ira, the male captor, turned in the opposite direction and led Kat and Adrian to the plaza's far end. They walked single file, under the building's metal awning, trying to keep out of the stifling rays. Kat looked straight across the parking lot, but all she could make out were the heat waves wiggling back at her giving the entire place a dizzying effect. Their wrists remained bound. Even after they were forced out of the trucks back, they had neglected to release the bonds. Kat's wrists were now red and raw, the cloth rubbing back and forth across the tender flesh. But she remained silent, refusing to give either of them the satisfaction of hearing her protest. A few children's toys caught her eye, near the edge of the parking lot. A shiny, Broken, blue bicycle leaned against a flagpole, its frame willless and rusty, but the perfect size for a small boy. Her thoughts immediately drifted to Christian. She bit her lip in defiance of the tears that threatened to roll down her cheek. A red rubber ball was the only other distinguishable toy amongst the haphazard junk. The type children used to play kickball with was stuck to the ground like an oversized melted piece of gum. It's once round shape, now a semicircle of glistening goo. Do you have children here?
2: We used to. It's right here.
3: Ira pushed open a set of double doors that led them into a dark room. He motioned for Adrian and Kat to enter in front of him. Kat shivered as she walked closely behind Adrian, her hand placed against the small of his back. A wave of nausea overcame her, and she stifled an overwhelming desire to vomit.
0: Only shit, what the hell happened?
3: No, 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 not
4: again! Get out of here! I believe you! I believe you! Just don't put me into the darkness again!
2: <clears throat> there... there was an
3: accident. About a dozen people occupied the dark, dismal room. All women, with ages ranging from young teens to post-menopausal. All were significantly wounded moaning weakly as they turned their faces from the light flooding in the room through the door behind them. The room appeared to be a former massage parlour turned hospital ward. Some women lay on cots while others lay atop dirty sleeping bags, shivering uncontrollably, some weeping and others eerily silent. The smell alone was breathtaking. Rotten, insect-infested flesh Open oozing wounds appearing unattended for days was on full display, as mouldy crimson-coloured bandages lay discarded all over the floor. Flies buzzed in and out of cavernous, gaping holes, no doubt laying their eggs and letting their maggots eat the dying flesh, putrefied by the hour. Cat dry heaved into her closed mouth, trying her best to hide her repulsion.
0: My god, man,
2: this is your whole group? Yes. This is our flower garden. We have two guys on the lookout. I'm the grounds manager, and Ray and Sam, they rotated supply runs. Guess it's its
0: just Ray now. They're in terrible shape. You have any supplies?
2: Um, uh, not many. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't even really know where to begin.
6: What kind of accident did this? How can you call this a garden?
2: We're in the process of relocating. Had the whole group packed up and ready to move on to safer places. Damn box truck nailed this head on at old 95. Half the group obliterated on the scene. I've done what I can for them,
0: but as you can see, I have no experience with medical stuff. Who did this? A basher? Or was it indeed an accident?
2: A, a what now? Uh, it was someone not in their right mind, didn't even slow down. I take solace in the fact that that asshole still
0: up there, splattered like roadkill on the side of that impasse. Well, before I can help anyone, I'm going to need a ton of medical supplies. I could write a list, but someone needs to try and find as many as they can. Do you have any running water? <sighs> no, we, we, we don't have that. But there's a farm not too far
2: off of the well. We've been hand pumping it and bringing it back here. Good. I'm gonna need water. Lots of it. Alright.
6: I can help gather supplies. I don't think I can stomach being in here for much longer.
2: I'll go with you. I know where the closest
0: pharmacy is and medical supply store. There are four clinics in this plaza alone. Don't you have anything here? Cat needs rest, water, and food. She doesn't need to go out putting her life on the line for you people. Have you forgotten you brought us here against our will?
2: Uh. Yeah, uh, about that. I was trying everything I could do to help them. Uh, Most of the supplies here I wasted through trial and error. I'm speechless. Listen, man, I was desperate, okay? We've already lost enough people, including children.
0: I did everything I could think of to help them. Well, I still don't like the idea of sending Cat out.
6: You have to trust me, remember?
0: I'm trying. It's not you I don't trust. She seems okay to me, man.
2: I'm just trying to save my people. Wouldn't you do the same for yours?
6: Can you please stop talking about me like I'm not here?
2: Look, would it make you feel any better if I had Ray go instead of me? She's excellent with her pistol and her knife. Absolutely not. I don't trust her for a second. She's young and scared. Just trying to adjust to this new world like everyone else. But... She's a natural-born leader. Yeah, I don't buy it. She's got anger issues. I mean, yeah, but surely you can try to look past that.
6: Adrian, let's do it for these women. Some of them are still young girls. They're innocent in all of this. I want to help. We can't let any more people die.
2: Look, man, I ain't trying to be that guy. But my sister made it perfectly clear what you came here for.
0: Okay, fine. Give me an hour to go through and check everyone over and write down a preliminary list. I'm not promising I can even do anything at all. But I'll try. You don't know what this means to me. I'm not doing it for you. Also, someone needs to clean up this room. Before I do anything, this area needs to be scrubbed from top to bottom. Open up a window or something to air out the smell of death. All these bloody bedding need to be trashed too. Okay, man. Don't worry about it.
2: Uh, come on, miss. I'll show you where you can get washed up and some food before we go out. The doctor can rest when we leave.
6: Alright. They have food that's not
4: expired! Wait. Why do you have so much food here? You weren't some of those people who hoarded a bunch of supplies, were you? Back when the madness started?
5: You didn't seem too concerned when you were shoving all that food down your gullet. You know, it's people like you who... Ravi, no. Yeah, that's what I thought. Listen to your girlfriend. I just can't get over being in the air conditioning again. Don't get too used to it.
2: Relax, Raylin. Tonight, there are guests. Make yourself at home while you're here. My sister won't bother you as long as you, uh, stay out of her way.
5: I'm going up to the nest. What
4: is that?
2: That's what my sister calls the roof. It's where we keep guarded and make sure the fence is secure.
5: Stop telling them all our business!
2: Well, I'm leaving in about an hour, so make sure you come down before then.
6: Why are you going out again? It's midday.
2: Supply run with, uh. Cat. Seriously? Like the animal?
6: As in short for Katya.
2: Yeah. Ah, I see. We we're also part of the short name club. <laughs> I'm Ira Dan. Ira, for short. My sister is Raylan, or Ray, as she prefers.
5: Okay. She obviously doesn't care, Ira. Don't waste your breath with this one. Don't mistake my brother's politeness for naivety. If you so much as think of running or smarting off, I'll kill you myself. Do as you're told, and everyone lives.
6: For now. Got it? Yeah. I got it.
2: Phew! This is a long list. How the hell are we supposed to find all this stuff? I can't even pronounce most of these things. What the heck is M4 Tarasid? Lord Almighty! Listen, I know my sister went a little overboard back there with the gun and the threats and all that but it's hard to trust people now.
6: Why does everyone keep saying that?
2: Well, it's true, isn't it? I mean, those things aren't the only monsters around here anymore.
3: Kat stole a sideways glance at him as he drove them into town. Ira remained totally at ease, as if they were only just two friends taking a lazy Sunday drive. His fingers tapped lightly on the steering wheel, and he kept checking the rearview mirror as if he were monitoring a tailgater. But, with no other cars in sight, the only thing that followed them was a long trail of dust. Halfway through the trip, he pulled the car over without a word. What are you doing? Ira leaned over in the driver's seat and fumbled in his back pocket before pulling out a box cutter. Cat's heart began to race as she watched him smile at her before taking her hand in his. She was so afraid but she didn't say a word as he quickly slashed at the rip shirt tied around her wrists. She hastily tossed the remains out the window and rubbed her skin. Ira winked at her as he put the box cutter back into his pocket and resumed driving.
2: <sighs> Sorry about that.
3: Looked uncomfortable.
2: Well, guess I didn't even remember Ray tying you guys up.
3: Kat rubbed her wrists again, savouring the feeling of being free from the bonds. Ira looked over at her and continued to smile, his bright eyes blazing. Thank you.
2: Don't worry about it. Hey, can I ask you a personal question?
6: How personal?
2: (laughs) Nothing crazy, I was just wondering where you were from. I get the vibe it's not from around here. But you don't have an accent or anything, it's just kinda, you know, freaking me out.
6: Uh, sort of. It's complicated. Try me. I guess the easiest way to explain it is that I can adapt to my surroundings pretty quickly. So if you spoke French, I would too. Same with any other language.
2: No way! Social chameleon!
6: (laughs) (laughs) That
2: is so cool! Did you learn that from your parents or something?
6: Unfortunately, I don't know much about my parents, to be honest. My father's an American. My mother died shortly after I was born, but I was raised by her, um... Her family? I guess that's a way to look at it.
2: Believe me, I understand how unconventional families were. Where's your father now?
6: No clue. I came to the States to try to find him.
2: Why after so many years?
6: I was tired of living, uh, where I was. It was very small, and there were a lot of rules we had to follow at... I decided I wanted to leave on my 18th birthday. So, I did.
3: A soft island breeze provided just the right amount of noise in the air to allow Kat's departure from her hut to go undetected among the other villagers. The kayak belonged to her. Crafted by her own two hands, so she stole nothing at all from her own people. For she knew the severe consequences that may await her if she had been discovered. The island was the only home she had ever known, yet she felt like an accepted stranger among the tribe. They had simply regarded her with respect and gave her space, but she felt neither protected nor loved. She had decided long ago she had to leave. Whenever she had brought this up to the village matriarch, Tani, She was met with a swift rebuke.
1: Why would you want to leave? You will find no better in that world out there.
6: I'm an adult. It's my choice, isn't it? All my other yearmates have already been permitted to leave the island. I want to go seek education and explore.
1: Watch your words, Katya. The goddess has chosen you for a different purpose.
6: I don't want to be different. I want to go into the world.
1: Your ancestors lie in the burial ground at the north end of the island, along with all other members of our tribe. The tribe is depending on you, Katya. To fulfill your destiny, everyone must play their role in the village. Your role is simply different than the others. This isn't fair. We will discuss this further, after your next birthday ritual."
3: Kat had simply nodded, appeasing the old woman. She knew it was no use to try and sway the tribal matriarch. The ancient rules were clear to all islanders. All women are permitted to leave the island after their 18th birthday. They were to seek higher learning, assimilate within a new culture, and bring new blood back to the island. All females were instructed to become pregnant and once they have done so, return to the island and give birth to their offspring. Until that time, she is to immerse herself in a faraway culture that is predetermined for her by the elders. For reasons unknown to Kat, she had not been permitted to leave the island for her 18th year. She watched her yearmates be trained by the elders for a specific region and then leave to go live among the culture decided for them. Some returned after several months, some after years, but all came back the same way, renewed, pregnant and educated. Her jealousy ate away at her sanity until she could no longer accept the reality that she was never going to receive permission to leave the island. Teasing her with a discussion about the possibility of leaving only after another birthday had passed only added insult to injury. The lies about her ancestry also greatly disturbed Cat. According to the tribe, Cat's mother died saving Cat's life from the water goddess. The specifics, though, were lost to her. Tani had told Cat that her father too perished in the sea, and Cat had believed her words for many years. But a few weeks before her birthday ritual, Cat took a walk along the island's northern side. All the graves were unmarked and unadorned as this was prohibited by the tribal rules. So Kat did not know where her mother lay. She was drawn to a lone grave, set aside, and closest to the ocean's edge. She felt her mother's presence there, and she chose this as her mourning ground. The sand was soft and warm, and she slowly sunk her bare feet into the ground until a pair of ankles only remained. She knew she would be punished if she was discovered. Still, Kat didn't think anyone else visited the northern side of the island regularly but her. A small pinprick electrified her baby toe. What the...? She carefully looked to make sure no one else was around. Then she slowly reached down and dug her hand and forearm into the white sand, reaching for the offending object. At first, she assumed it was a crab, but was surprised when her fingers grazed a balled-up wad of material her hands began to tremble as she pulled a small ball of paper out of the sand. She hastily shoved the paper ball into her pocket for safekeeping. That night, Kat hurriedly rushed through dinner, feigning fatigue, and went to her hut. She sat, cross-legged on the bare floor, staring out the entryway to her village. An hour dragged by, then two, as she watched her tribe members return to their dwellings for the evening. Even after the last member went to bed, and stillness hung over the island, she sat, stone still, her heart racing in her chest, waiting. The ink was barely legible on the weathered paper, but Kat could tell it was a letter of some sort. Not only a letter, but a formal document. She was able to use the light from the fire to read legible portions of the letter. The top of the letter stated in bold black letters 1-129F. Kat didn't know the meaning of this. She had been educated by the tribal elders of the village during her youth. Still, she knew there were only so many things that a group of secluded islanders was privy to in the form of education. The legal jargon confused her but she continued to scan the letter for any sort of information she could understand.
6: Yelena Koslava, Yelena?
3: Kat's stomach dropped to her knees and she began to dry heave. Tribal members of the island have only one name. Kat was aware that people from other places sometimes had two or more names. She had read that in books Her mother's name was Yelena. She had known this as part of her legend. Although she had always been told that her only name had been Yelena, Kat knew this letter had to be about her mother. She continued reading, blinking back tears of excitement and fear of being discovered. Another name appeared on the form several times, in addition to her mother's name. Ro-Jil-E-O-Song? Song? Kat knew this word, but could it also be a name? She didn't think so, but she wasn't sure. Streaks of pink and light yellow peeked out from under her closed door. She didn't realise she had been reading her letter all night. Kat smoothed it out once more and tucked it away in her pocket. She knew she couldn't stay on the island another night. The letter, although unclear and weathered, proved that her mother was from another place. A place where people can have two names. And this Rogelio song, was this her father, perhaps? The lies made her feel sick, and she had to restrain herself during breakfast and the rest of that day, so as not to raise suspicion. She watched the tribe begin to build a structure, and wondered if it was for her upcoming birthday ritual. The letter burned inside her pocket, and she pushed all other thoughts out of her mind except for one. Escape. The ocean carried her away. She turned back only once and saw the island as a small speck of insignificance on the horizon. Cat was a captive of the island for no longer.
6: Well, happy birthday. Oh, thanks. That was so long ago now. I know it's silly, but I always kind of kept a small piece of hope that I could find my father after all this
2: I believe anything is possible.
6: I don't know how likely it is. I wasn't exactly able to call him from the island to say, hey I'm your daughter.
2: You're from an island? That's so interesting
6: which one? One you've probably never heard of.
2: The provider meant for that to happen everything up until now was meant to be you were meant to be here
6: what provider? What are you talking about?
2: Uh, you'll find out soon enough.
3: Cat couldn't help but talk to Ira, even though he deserved nothing more than stony silence. His presence was peaceful, and he had been kind to her. She kept trying to remind herself that he and his sister had essentially kidnapped them at gunpoint. Despite this, she continued to respond to his questions. His friendly eyes and broad smile kept reeling her back in every time. Hold on! Here we go!
6: Ira, wait. Save your ammo.
3: Look at what they're doing. A group of bashers was congregated in the middle of the street, staring straight up. A few stood, barefoot, arms outstretched, screaming as their flesh boiled and burned, but refusing, or unable, to move from the scalding pavement. They hardly seemed to notice their stopped vehicle as they persisted with their fiery self-mutilation. A solitary basher that Ira had struck in the chest with a bullet lay crumbled over on his side. He was half-nude, save for a pair of socks and a bloody T-shirt. As a pool formed underneath him, Kat and Ira watched in awe as puffing steam rose from the growing red puddle.
2: Why did I think this would be an easy trip? It isn't them crazies, weather, those foster brothers. Then it's my sister. It always has to be something. You can't ever catch a break. Well, there's the pharmacy. Of course, a group of them has to be right here.
6: Those are the suicidal ones, it looks like. I thought most of them were already dead.
2: Look at that one. She would kill you if she could get her hands on you. Very animals.
6: I'm not so sure.
2: Don't you roll down that window? I'm telling you, she would tear you to shreds if you were out there. Watch
5: me! Watch
4: me!
3: Watch me! Watch me. Cat closed her eyes as the Bashes screamed at her through the window. Her words were strangely familiar, but of somewhere she had never been. She felt a vision coming in. The present world faded away into blackness, exactly like it happened at the casino. This time when she opened her eyes, she was standing in a crowd. People of all types walked around and through her. Kat felt like an omnipotent ghost as she watched the crowd, wondering where and when she is seeing. She hears a woman squeal angrily, and her attention turned to a man, bending over to pick something off the ground as a woman watched with an irritated scowl.
2: Oh, sorry, excuse me, miss.
3: Kat could see the broken item was a camera. The woman's eyes burned with anger as she waved him away, gathering up the pieces herself and shaking a long finger at him. My camera!
6: Oh, jeez, I'm really sorry. Let me help you.
0: (laughs) NET! Americans stink. they can just run over everything!
6: It's
2: just a cheap camera, lady. Calm down. Here, let me pay you for it.
0: It's not just a cheap camera. It's my life's work. You're going to see my name in magazines someday. Just watch me.
2: Come on, let's go come back to this one later. Maybe they will all be dead in a few hours. I don't want to waste my ammo unless it's an emergency. Even though, I, I gotta say, it's pretty fun shooting these things. It's like a video game.
3: Huh? Ira's words brought Kat out of the vision and thrust her back into the present. She wondered why she had seen those two people and their mundane interactions.
6: What does that even mean?
3: The basher outside the truck had stopped screaming and stared at Kat through the window wordlessly. Kat stared back and frowned. It was the first time she had looked at Abasha alive in the eyes since the madness started. The woman's eyes were stark and empty. The pieces were there, but Kat felt as if her very soul was gone. Something about her eyes was so familiar it frightened her. She racked her brain, trying to remember where she had seen those eyes before, but nothing came to mind. The female Basha instantly quieted and turned to moan at the others in her group. The group responded, and they started walking away from the building.
2: What the? Am I missing
6: something here?
3: Come on, let's go before we run into any more
6: of them.
2: Now hold up, just wait. How did you do that? Uh, and a follow-up question? What did you even do?
6: I don't know. Maybe they were tired of getting burnt and just wanted to take off.
2: Yeah, I don't believe that for a second. I saw how that one was looking at you through the window.
6: Who cares anyway? I got the list. Let's go.
2: I just can't wrap my head around this.
6: They do weird stuff sometimes. Please don't make a big deal out of this.
2: Okay, not another word, I swear. But for the record, I think you're unique. The provider has chosen you for a reason.
4: I think they might let us have the memorial here, if we asked Ira. He seems like a reasonable person.
5: (sighs) I thought Adrian was a jerk, but he's Mother Teresa compared to Ray. But Ira? He's a whack. A what? You know, a whack. You mean a quack? Ugh, whatever. I wish we could get out of here. This place makes me so nervous. What's the rush? We got food and shelter, and they got generators running. I'm never leaving this air conditioning again. Just ignore Ray. She's just jealous, because we got all the good looks. It's not just her. This This whole place makes me nervous. It makes me itchy. I need to get out of here. Shh. Shh.
4: Now, remember what we talked about?
5: (sighs) Wait... I just need a little something to take the edge off, then no more, I swear.
4: Heather, you know you don't need it. Maybe it will rain soon? I heard them saying something about a well drying up. Once the water situation is under control, hopefully everyone can relax a little.
5: The fire's coming all right. It already feels like it's raining fire. Have you been outside lately? Only after it comes, then we can leave. We'll be free. Is she okay?
4: Heather, look at me. Can you see me right now? Do you know where we are? The three will come. The
5: rest will perish morning, noon, and night. Please, let us out of here. I need
4: to see him. Where are you keeping my son? Heather! Heather! Can you hear me?
5: Starring Journey Brown Saintel as Kat, Andrew Quintero as Adrian, Esther Payne as the narrator, Jumebi Unujoku Brown as Ravi, Allegra Rodriguez Shivers as Heather, Gina Pietramonico as Ray, and me, Emily Husband, as Jenny. This episode also featured the voice talents of She Melendez, Michelle Kane, Greg Thomas, Christopher Power, Melissa Chambers, Julian Kingston, and Nika Shakmuradova. Story written by Courtney Holloway. Sound design by Christopher Jarvis at the Radio Theatre Workshop. Original music composed by Bradley Parsons, Peter Cleff and Konstantin Nestiarovich. For full access to the show notes, check us out online. And don't forget to head over to wherever you listen to podcasts to subscribe, rate and leave us a review.
6: This is Jack
0: Ward from the Mutual Audio Network and from all of us here, the entire United Artists of Audio, I want to thank everyone who has supported us. Listeners and producers, writers and actors, musicians and graphic artists who make audio drama and audio fiction. You inspire us all.
3: And thanks for making a home here on Mutual, where we listen and imagine together.